Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And this one is going to be the final segment in the five part series. We're going to talk about how to structure your deals. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. So as I teased in the opening introduction here before the theme music is, this is part five, part five of the series within the podcast um, episode here. So it's going to be the final one of this series, and then we're going to get back to a couple um, interview series after this. I got some really great um, interviews upcoming, a couple that I've been a feature on, a couple on, you know, buying apartment buildings. Um, also, a really special one of somebody who I know, a good friend of mine, who's built over a couple billion dollar real estate portfolio. Each and every one of those are upcoming here for you. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you uh, get instant notification as soon as the new uh, podcasts come out. Okay, so to con- to set this up a little bit, I'm going to get, you know, we'll get into this one quickly, but I do want to, first of all, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the wonderful feedback that I've been getting from the podcast series. I had somebody just recently reached out and said that, geez, Russ, I'm getting, I'm learning more from just this free podcast series that you've put out than I did on programs that I've paid significant amount of money for. Um and I just so thank you for if you guys have provided feedback or left a review, I just wanted to just acknowledge you and thank you for going through and listening to each and every one of these. Now, I do understand that sometimes listening to a podcast might be a little difficult to get the lessons, like to get the full lesson. Like these are designed as master classes and these are designed as in-depth learning tutorials. And my goal with this, you know, don't get me wrong, I love the wonderful conversations and I love the interview style podcast. But I imagine some of you, you know, you probably want something a little bit different. You probably are coming to some of these to to learn something. And that was my intention of putting this series out was to teach something and to provide an incredible amount of value for each and every one of you if you took the time to go through it. Now, once again, this one was taken from a live broadcast. This one is a little bit more visual in its nature. So if you had a hard if you do have a hard time following along with the visual um, things that I talk about, like I do reference some time to time, I reference to a flip chart or to a PowerPoint presentation. And I do reference that from time to time. I will be putting these videos together into a playlist on my YouTube channel. So I'll put all five of these together in one playlist. You can save that playlist and just come back to it if you need the visual representation to go through these lessons. So by all means, check out my YouTube channel and subscribe to get on the early notification list of when those um, videos uh, come up. Okay, so this one here, one of the biggest questions that come all the time is how do you structure your deals? Like, you know, I set it up within the, the podcast is, you know, you've got somebody, you've done some marketing, you've done some things you put on social media, somebody has raised their hand, you've qualified them, but then now how do you structure the deal? Um, I'm a firm believer in simple is best. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you in this episode is I'm going to share with you a very, very simple four step framework. I call it the 4M framework for structuring all your deals. There really truly is only four variables that you need to negotiate 
and each one can be a little bit different. And I walk you through in depth, in detail of four case studies of how the four variables get used in this process. Okay, guys. So the last thing I just wanted to mention to you before we dive into it is make sure you stick around right to the very end. I have a very important message that I wanted to share with you. Plus, I also have a few a few gifts for you to share with you at the end. So with all that being said, let's get right after it. Please help welcome segment five, Structuring Your Deals. Now, here's what we're going to do today is we're actually going to dive headfirst into one topic and we're going to go deep. The topic we're going to dive in today is talking about structuring our deals. How do we structure our deals? How do we create win-win? How do we help our investment partners win in the transaction and you participate in the win alongside them? Got a really killer presentation here for you guys today. If any of you have been following along over the last, you know, say five or six weeks, I've been delivering a very in-depth training for you, a masterclass. And a lot of people um, have been sitting there and I've been getting lots of feedback and people coming back and go, Russ, I can't believe all the value you're delivering for free here. Um, you know, a lot of people will sit there and you know, jump onto a webinar and they'll, you know, do a little bit of a presentation. And at the end of it, they'll take them more time to actually sell you into something than you actually did time of the teaching. I'm here 100% to be of value, 100% to deliver inspiring content, 100% to deliver information and content and implementation for you to help you move forward. So let's do a quick recap. If you've been following along, uh, we started, I think it was probably about four weeks ago now, about a month ago, where we started diving in. Part one of the process we walked through was, you know, doing a, um, a plan. Like, what was your plan? Like, truly, what is your real estate investing plan? And that's one of the things I have conversations all day long, consultations with people is truly, what is your real estate investing plan? Whether you bought into the plan that I outlined for you, or you completely thought it was a bunch of uh, malarkey or a bunch of bunk, what's your plan? That's the key thing is, so what is your real estate investing plan? So we identified a plan over a course of time and the timeline I identified was 15 years. How do you create a portfolio of properties? $1.8 million of real estate to generate approximately about a $92,000 income stream for you in a 15-year time frame. So that was the first step. Step one was we created a plan. Step number two was we went deep into what are some of the things that are going to stop you? Now, I know some of you might say, Russ, well, that's so negative. What a negative uh, thought process. What is going to stop me? Let's be all positive. No, let's, let's identify what are the obstacles you're going to face in this game of real estate. Let's put them on the table. Let's really just identify them because I firmly believe if you solve all your obstacles, the only thing left after you've solved all of your obstacles is success. Then we dove into, and remember, during the obstacles, um, I firmly believe that the five biggest obstacles that real estate investors face is it spells the acronym of TEAM, T-E-A-M. The first one is lack of team. You don't have a team to help you move forward. The, first, the second one is T stands for time. You don't have the time. The E stands for your education. The A stands for your attitude mindset. And the M stands for the money to move forward to keep building that portfolio of real estate that you're, you're, you're looking to uh, accomplish. Okay, so then what we dove headfirst into, and it was interesting, during that webinar or during that live broadcast, I asked the question, what is your biggest obstacle that's stopping you guys? And the majority of people will say the money. So then what we did after that, we started diving headfirst into the money conversation. Like, where do you truly find the capital to keep moving forward? Those were what we started. So today, we're going to take the next step in the process. And what we've identified is the four building blocks of raising capital success. So that's what we're going to dive in today. 
You need capital to buy a portfolio of properties to make essentially own an, an asset base that generates enough income that you can generate your financial freedom from. How do you get the capital to keep to build that portfolio? Like if I identify that you maybe needed, let's say you needed nine properties and some of you might be sitting there going, well, how the heck do I buy nine properties, Russ? Well, that's the process we're going to walk you through here is how do you source the capital to buy nine properties or maybe your property, your target's 90, maybe your property, your target's 900, whatever your target is, that's your target. Okay. So that's what we're here to do. And so far, what we've talked about is we've talked about four um, critical building blocks for success. Part number one is you need to generate leads, attract leads and um, what was it, probably two weeks ago, I went in depth into that about strategies on how to position yourself, how to identify your investor avatars, where these people hang out, the key 100 strategy, who controls their attention, treating it like a business. How do you maybe even use like a CRM database to keep following up because the fortune is in the follow-up, okay? We treat this like a business, to be honest, those of you, um, this business of just raising the capital to buy real estate is a business within the business. No different than managing your properties or no different than doing renovations. The raising of the capital is an absolutely uh, essential part to the business of this real estate investing. So that's the first thing is where do we generate our leads? So now we get somebody who's raised their hand and said they're interested. Then how do you qualify that person? How do you amplify their desire? So last week I went in depth into, and I actually did a role play for you guys where I walked you through the conversation. Like how do you have the conversation? One of the scariest parts of the process that people feel is having that conversation with, with, the, with your investment partners. I actually went in depth of walking you through that. Here's the questions, here's the sequence, here's how I answer it, here's how I position it. And then when you make the presentation, okay? So I went in depth and detail into that conversation with you. And then I offered you guys a killer bonus at the end of that presentation where I, I offered you my script. Okay, so maybe if you guys stick around at the end, maybe you'll, you'll find another way of how I'll offer that script again to you. So today, what we're going to talk about is how do we structure our deals? Okay, how do we then, we got somebody interested, we know their reasons why, they want to work with us. Now, how do we qual how do we structure the deals? And that's what we're going to go through in depth here. And I can give you guys a really simple framework and a really simple uh, formula to follow. And I think every single person who's watching here today will be able to follow this formula. But before I do dive into the framework of the 4M framework, I have a little bit of, I guess, some of the, the, the teaching side of the philosophy around um, negotiations on what you need to have in order to have people that want to work with you. So we're going to talk about two things, essentially, the serve negotiation strategies and the 4M deal framework. So, guys, quick time out here. Um, for some of you, if you've been watching along on the presentations and the masterclass I've been sharing with you, you know I'm a big fan of acronyms, okay? And one of the reasons why I like the acronyms is truly, first of all, everybody can remember them when you teach them. Most importantly is I can remember them too. Like, so serious, if I'm sitting there, all I have to do if, you know, if I didn't have any of these slides or I just needed to have a flip chart or I just need to get up and give a presentation to somebody, I could deliver this presentation by remembering three acronyms. CASH, C-A-S-H, serve s-e-r-v-e -E, and then four m so all i have to really under learn and rememorize is what would that be five nine and uh five nine and four i'd have to remember 13 points that's it and i could deliver a keynote that could probably last an hour to an hour and a half at least 
Okay, then backfill it with some stories and a whole bunch of wonderful things like that. So, okay, enough of that aside, let's get right into it. So let's talk about how do we structure this? How do we negotiate these deals? So what we're gonna talk about here is we're gonna talk about both the art and the science of deal structuring. I'm gonna share with you guys just a framework, a simple framework, but the key thing out of this whole thing, out of this process is that you become a person that can take this framework and customize it for you. It is no black and white answer to the exact same way you do a deal. There's no actually black and white same way you do a deal from one partner to another. There's no black and white way that you, uh, Jim, and you, Joan, you do completely deals differently. But what I want to do is I want to offer you guys a framework that you can come back to the framework to have the conversation to help you put a lot of thought process into the splits. Okay, that's what we're really trying to do. If any of you have ever watched, I believe the TV show is, um, is it the Art of Painting? It's the Joy Painting. Um, for those of you that if, if you don't know who this person is or maybe your age demographic, this is Bob Ross. Bob Ross is truly, I believe, an absolute maestro when it comes to creating a work of art. He truly, at the beginning of a TV show, would sit there in front of it and with a blank canvas, and by the end of the and by the end of the show, he has an entire painting done, and he just starts and he just starts painting and a little happy tree over here and a little lake over here and another happy tree over here. And oh, there's a cloud up here. Oh, I made a mistake. Let's make this into a sunset or things like that. So Bob Ross is the kind of guy who can take something and turn it into a masterpiece. That's what I want you guys to do to become deal experts. I want you to become deal engineers that you can take something that maybe other people can't see, and then you could turn it into a work of art. That's truly what the intention of this is, is that you're able to take some framework, some ideas, and turn it into a work of art that investment partners would want to invest in. Okay, so let's talk about the SERVE, S-E-R-V-E, negotiation principles. So SERVE stands for, the first in the S stands for sought after. So do you have a sought after deal? Do you actually have a good deal? That's the first part of the, one of the first things of the process is you need to have a good deal. Okay, it's funny, I've, I've sat there and I have, I've had lots of conversations with people when I do my consultations. And some people, you know, I do, here's one of the things, and I'm actually gonna make this offer if any of you guys are ever interested in that. Um, if you ever you guys want maybe a portfolio review, that you maybe want somebody to take a look at your portfolio, deep dive into it, if you don't have it, you know, um, put into a spreadsheet or however you analyze it, I'd be happy to do a second pair of eyes on your portfolio, give you a portfolio review, uh, see how we can optimize it, see where maybe there's some gaps, places maybe there's some equity you can tap into and what the, some of the next steps for you. And talking with a lot of people and having a portfolio review, some people say, well, this property here, and I go, walk me through this property. Okay, you own it, this, that. How's it performing? Oh, it's a terrible property. It's performing just crappy. I go, okay, well, what's your plan on it? And they go, well, I'm going to joint venture it with somebody. Oh, time out, time out. You know, if you got a bad property that you probably wouldn't even invest in yourself, why are you offering that to somebody else? Bringing somebody else onto the deal is not going to make it a better deal, okay? As a matter of fact, you're passing on a bad property that you wouldn't even invest in. You have to make sure that you have a good opportunity. That's the first thing you need to do. And you always have to think about it from a perspective of what's in it for your investor. Always think about it, what's in it for them. You are probably clear on what's in it for you, okay? You understand real estate, but you need to first articulate what's in it for the investor because people will come to you. People will be attracted to you if you have something of value and there's something in it for them. 
And here's the question is, are you known for something, right? Are you known as an expert in a certain area, in a certain market, in a certain type of property transaction? Are you known as that expert and you have a specialized knowledge? If you have a specialized knowledge, people will want to work with you. And truly, one of the things you can be, and this is what a lot of people I recommend for people, maybe when they're just getting started. Maybe when they're just, maybe they don't even have a property yet under their belt and they're just getting started. You maybe don't have um, a large portfolio of properties, but you can become a master of a system. You can become a master of analyzing properties. You can become a master of uh, the renovation. You can become an, a master of how to get financing. You can be a master of the landlording part of it. You can be a master of a system. And because you have that system, you can offer that service and help other people. Okay. And most importantly, this is one of the things that I, I love having the most is if you have a team, a team of people around you, like some of the pe members of my team, I've been working with, with for 18 years. 18 years from some of my first relationships ever within real estate, I'm still working with those people today. Today, And I've transacted many, many properties with this team. I have had lots of dealings, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And But we've stuck it out. And here's the thing. When you have a good team and you're known as somebody, as you have a good relationship with it, you're probably going to get some of the best deals from that people. You might get some of the best services. You might be able to call in a favor or two that somebody else might not be able to do. Maybe you have a volume discount with your insurance provider because you have your volume of your portfolio. Maybe you have a volume discount with your um, landlord with your property management company and your investors can take advantage of that discount without, without having to own 40, 50, 60 properties that you own. They can actually take advantage of that. That's how you can leverage part of your team. Okay, so next, the next one in the surf process is everybody wins. The E stands for everybody wins. This is one of the core fundamentals that you made to make sure that everybody wins in the transaction is you need to make sure it's fair. Now, here's, here's the thing. Um, fair. What does fair truly mean? The best way I can describe what fair is, fair is what everybody agrees to. Okay. It's what you agree to that all parties are in agreement to. That's what what's fair. And that can change. It can change from deal to deal. It can change from person to person, but it's what you agree to. Okay. Now here's one of the fundamentals I want to share with you is whatever you negotiate in the deal up front and what you've promised to do, you need to live with it. Maybe you find uh, you have find that you're doing it and you're going, geez, I'm doing a lot of work and for not a lot of return on this, I negotiated a crappy deal. You have to live with it because you negotiated that. Um, so here's what I'm, I'm actually working with somebody right now on, on some of their first deals. They made it really, really attractive for their investment partners in like significantly attractive to them. Um, fantastic returns went over and above. And now he's at a point now where he's adding more deals to the, to the pipeline. And he's now changing some of his thing to make it a little bit more fair. And he's having those conversations. He's not changing his current deals. He's changing any new deal going forward and say, here's the way the next deal is going to happen going forward. And here's the reason why, okay? Make sure you live with what you negotiate uh, on that as well. Now, here's a fundamental that was shared with me by one of my early mentors, Thomas Beyer. Thomas, and this one really resonated with me. And this is a conversation that I have with a lot of people that are interested in uh, investing in real estate and they're interested in um, finding investment partners. And they sit there and go, well, why would anybody want to give me any money? Why would anybody want to, you know, 
partner with me? Why would anybody, you know, I feel like I'm begging for money, you know, something of those natures. And I usually just say, whoa, 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 time out, guys, time out. You're offering a value to the investment partners. You're offering a valuable service. You're offering your investment partners an investment opportunity that maybe they can't do on their own. You're offering your investment partners a time saving. You're offering your investment partners some of your specialized knowledge. You're offering them something that they can participate with you. And by them winning, you win alongside them. It's a participation. It's not a them give me, I give them, stuff like that. Okay? It's we are participating in this deal together. All right. And then the last one here is really is if you share in the reward, you need to share in the risk. Okay? With that point, meaning is a lot of people are really good to talk about here's the upside. And all they do is they talk about here's the win and here's the fantastic upside and here's all the profit we're going to make. If you're going to negotiate the wins and the upside, you also have to accept that there could be some losses and you need to share in that as well. You share in the win, you share in the loss, you share in the risk, you share in the reward. Which then leads into the next one of the serve negotiation is risk versus reward. Before we dive into risk versus reward, we have to identify that there are two types of investors. Truly, there are two types of investors. There is a debt investor and there's an equity investor. Okay, so a debt investor is as follows. A debt investor typically is somebody who just offers up some investment capital for a like a loan position. What they would just probably get out of it is they would just get an interest rate on their money and how you structure that and how you negotiate the interest rate. You can have balloon payments, quarterly payments, monthly payments, whatever the interest rate. That's typically a debt investor on the property. The second type of investor is an equity investor. An equity investor is somebody who actually owns and participates in the ownership position on the property. They might get an interest payment. They might get some cash flow payments along the way. It depends on how you negotiate it. But Mostly they are have an ownership position and they would profit along on the ownership position that gets negotiated. Okay, here's a fundamental that you want to understand is when there's more risk, okay, there needs to be more reward. Okay, that's one of the reasons why typically is why does um, T, you know, Government of Canada bonds pay so low is because they're backed by the governments per se and they're perceived to have less risk. So something that has less risk has a greater, a lower return. Something that might have a big risk, maybe you have a big giant development project and there's an awful lot of things and, you know, the moons have to align and everything has to be perfect and, you know, and there's an awful lot of risk that things could actually collapse on and could not work. So you need to actually offer a high, a high return for that risk. Now, another thing that you want to talk about here too is typically um, liquidity is another thing that comes out in play. So something that might be a little bit more of a liquid opportunity. So let's say somebody is a debt investor and they can call that loan due at any time and with a, a couple weeks notice. Okay. Because it's more liquid, that means that their potential return would be an awful lot less. If it was something that their money is locked in for that time, so something that has less liquidity needs to have less of a return. Something that has more liquidity, right? No, let me back up. I got that reversed. Something that has less liquidity is a higher return. Something that has more liquidity that can cash in quicker should have a lower return. Okay. Now, here's the thing is it typically comes down to what um, expectations, 
are, are for people. So I'm going to share a quick story. So I was at a, an event uh, fairly recent, and um, it was as follows. So this, this person was giving a presentation. They were doing a, a mortgage investment corporation, and they were sharing their expected returns for some of their million-dollar clients and people that put millions of dollars up into, the, into transactions. And they were sharing that, yeah, well, right now we're getting them, on average, we're getting them about 65 to 7.8% return on their money. Okay, that's that's fantastic, right? But here's the thing: is sometimes when I talk with real estate investors, and we have an, a potential return of seventeen or eighteen percent return that we're offering to investment partners, and you're feeling, well, that's just not enough. Well, interesting to note that sometimes investment partners, you know, only want five or six or seven percent, and you have an investment opportunity that's maybe seventeen, eighteen, nineteen percent. Um, here's the thing is because it's, you know, a one-on-one more of a personal relationship, there is a little bit more of a risk. So there needs to be a bit more of a return, but sometimes real estate investors feel that they need to, they need to have this giant return in order to get investment partners come on here. Some people will be, it's interesting. I was just did a case study with one of, uh, one of our students and somebody put up a vendor take back mortgage on one of the properties. And this person had $725,000 VTB and their expected, expected return was only five, five, I think it was 5% on, on that money and that VTB. Everybody has a little different. That's for you to negotiate along the deal. The next one in the serve process is value. Okay, so what is the value you provide to the transaction? So remember, the S stands for sought after, the E stands for everybody wins, the R is risk versus reward, and, and V and V stands for the value. Remember, one of the things that you're bringing to the transaction is you're bringing you to the transaction. So here's one of the fun, fundamental truisms that you need to firmly believe is you need to develop your skills. You need to become a person of value that creates value for other people, and you are the investment partner that they're looking for. So the more you invest in your skills, the more you invest in, say, a coach or a training program or a conference that you're going to or every book you read, every podcast you read, everything you put in between your right ear and your left ear, and you don't watch the news block out all that crappy news that you're hearing on 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 a monthly, on a nightly basis, That's personal development work you're doing for yourself and you're becoming a person of value, okay? Your journey matters, like what you've done along the process of how you've come in and maybe you've come to this country with only $10 in your pocket and you scrimped and saved and you worked your tail off and you worked five jobs and then you learned and you mentored for free for somebody for for two and a half years. Now you're slowly buying a property two on your own and now you've built a portfolio of seven or eight places that journey that you've taken along the time adds value to other people. Maybe you've been through some market swings, some ups and some downs and some in-betweens, and you've handled uh, a market that actually dropped and you actually developed a process to, re- to recession-proof yourself. That's part of your journey. Like, do you uh, dis- Most people discount their journey as a value that you bring to the transaction. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people say is, you know, you're the real estate expert. I'm going to assume that most people watching this are going to be the real estate experts. Um, Remember, you're actually making an investment, right? You might not be writing a check and you might not be contributing a dollar amount to the transaction, maybe, uh, but you're making a significant investment. Every, every conference you go to, every book you read, all the time you put in, your coach that you hire, the training um, academies that you belong to, the um, home study programs that you do, the con- you know, all those things, that is your investment that you're investing into yourself. And then here's an exercise that I get people to do 
But this is one of the exercises that not everybody will do. I think it's a fundamental exercise. And this was taught to me by actually working by, with, with my money partners, is we would sit there and we would, you know, identify. And this will actually is a very good exercise to go as we dive into the next part of the presentation. I would take a, a blank page like this in a book. And what I would do is I'd write me and I'd write them on each of the page, line down the middle and a line across the top. And then what I would do is I would write out every single thing I do and every single thing that they are going to do out of that. And what we're doing is we're establishing what you're bringing to the transaction. Now, guys, don't be, don't be embarrassed to say that you're bringing your time and you're bringing your expertise and you're bringing your knowledge and you're bringing your specialized skills and you're bringing your team and you're bringing, you know, your, your mortgage broker that puts your, your application and your investment partner's applications to the top of the pile. And you're bringing your relationship with the property management and you're bringing all those things to the table. Like, don't be shy about putting out those things and detail it in in detail. That's why I actually get a lot of people when I coach them is we do, we, we build on an entire process manual for you because here's one of the cool things about your process manual. And it's one of your best closing tools. If your process manual is that you can sit there and you can actually help close money partners when you're, when you're doing um, this deal. And here's what you share. One of the best closing tools you'll have when you sit down with the money partners, you'll sit there and go, okay, well, here's what I do. Here's my manual. Here's my 27 page checklist of all the things that I do for this. Let me flip you through. I got my stuff together. I know what I'm doing. So by working with me, I'm going to give you confidence that I'm going to take good care of your investment opportunity. All right. So that's one of the things you want to do. It's build your value exercise where you put you on one side of the page, them on the other side, and you just articulate out all the tasks and duties each person each person is going to do. So the E in the serve of negotiation stands for execution. Like, are you, do you truly get the job done? Do you get her done? As, as Larry the Cable guy would say, right? I'm a firm believer in the following. I think it's very, very, it's quite easy to get somebody excited. It truly is. You can have a wonderful conversation and you could say all the right words. You just follow the script that I shared with you guys last week. If you just follow that script, you will have no problem get people interested in what you're doing and get people to a point where you're qualified and they're qualified. It is very easy to get somebody interested. Where the difficult part comes into is fulfilling upon all the promises and fulfilling upon all those things. Like that's why I, one of the biggest mistakes I made early on was I shared, um, I shared a lot of just the good news of what can happen in real estate. I didn't share potentially some of the bad news. I didn't share the what if, what can happen if, and what happens if this happens and what happens here. I didn't share enough of those things. And that was probably one of the biggest challenging things I've had is you need to tell the whole story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you need to prepare your investment partners that there can be some challenging times. There will be cash calls. There will be tenants that move out. There will be those things. But what your job as the real estate expert is, is to help mitigate each of those risks for them. Truly, I believe in, is the fortune is in the follow-up, the execution. You can get somebody that says they're interested. You can start having the qualification questions. Some people will say, I'm interested, and then they'll fall off the wayside. If you just keep following up and just keep nurturing people, that is truly where the fortune lies. But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is just do what you say you're going to do. If you do what you say you're going to do, you should have no problem in the execution of this. A uh, challenge can have is when you over-promise and under-deliver, right? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a okay. It's okay to over-promise and over-deliver. 
I know that's a challenging thing to do, but it is okay to overpromise, but then make sure you do the work to overdeliver against the overpromise. So here is for everybody the, the framework. Now, when you when we're talking about a framework, here here's what here's what we want to do. A framework is just a process. It's just a thought process. It isn't a hard and fast rule. These things are just things that I want you to just understand the buckets of that you can negotiate. And this is just the process I go through when I'm having conversations with money partners on how I negotiate the splits. Okay, so here's the beautiful thing about the 4M framework. You only have to remember four words and they all begin with the letter M. So here's what I walk people through all the time is who's bringing the money, who's qualifying for the mortgage, the management, management, day-to-day operations, and then on the last M is who's the master? Who is the real estate expert into the transaction? So those are the four things you need to negotiate. So what I'm going to do with you here is I'm going to share four case studies with you. Four case studies, and each of these, I'm going to just outline four different ways of dividing up the splits. But here's the cool thing is I want to just give you guys a thought starter is really what this process is, is to just give you guys a thought starter on how to negotiate this. And then there's an awful lot more details that you can go through. Like quite honestly, each one of these strategies and each one of these tactical ones, I've taken time and I've built out each and every one of them into detailed case studies. Each one of these case studies in and of itself could be another hour presentation. And quite frankly, it is another hour presentation. But what I want to do today is I want to serve and add tremendous amount of value. And I'm going to give you four case studies and find out maybe within those four, I bet one of them you fit within there. Because I'm a firm believer in this quote. This is an amazing quote. This is a Bruce Lee quote. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once. I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. So what my goal for you here, everybody, is I want you to pick one strategy and I want you to be a master at that one strategy. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor to have 1,700 different types of strategies. It's okay to have one strategy and be the best at one strategy. It is totally okay for that. So here's what we're going to do and we're going to talk about, remember those four variables, money, mortgage, management, mastery. We're going to break the pie up and we're going to divide the pie up between those four things of who's bringing what and who gets what percentage of the deal. The first strategy we're going to talk about is everybody shares. This is a typical strategy that you will find when it's family members or some really, really close friends. And this is what people typically do is everybody puts in half the money. Everybody qualifies for the mortgage. Everybody does half the work and everybody is the expert on it. Now, here's the the biggest thing. This is what I usually find at beginning stages with people. And I find this an awful lot when it comes down to when um, this is typically how family members deal with this. Everybody contributes, everybody slices the pie up and everybody shares. Um, Here's the main thing that I want you guys to really understand is this. In this transaction that everybody shares, everybody wins, there needs to be a, a leader. There needs to be a leader of the marching band. There needs to be somebody who is the expert that can make the decisions, that has the time and expertise to do that. So that's typically strategy number one is everybody shares, everybody wins. So that typically looks fairly similar. It's You split it out 25% in the money, 25% of the mortgage, 20% of the day-to-day operation, and 25% of the mastery. So everybody wins, everybody shares. Okay, so the second one I'm going to talk about is what I call a typical traditional 50-50. And this looks very simple like this. This is investors typically would put up the money and potentially could qualify for the mortgage. 
as a real estate expert, you do all the day-to-day -day operations. You take all the work on. You do all the day-to-day -day work. Plus, you're also the team leader. You plus take on all the things for the next 15 years. You're going to be doing a lot of the work. And that's typically how this can get split. So the money's worth 35%. The mortgage qualification's 15%. The management's worth 25%. And the mastery's worth 25%. And that's a typical 50-50. Okay? Now, if you negotiate this and yours is 60-40 or 40-60, that's totally fine up to you. What you just need to do is you need to justify how you break out and how you slice up the pie. Okay, so that's a traditional 50-50. Next one we want to do here, and it looks similar like this. As I shared, 35% is worth for the money, 15% is for the mortgage, 25% for the management, the day-to-day -day operation, and 25% is the mastery. All right, so here's the next one, and this is one that uh, one of my favorites is, a pro is this strategy, and this is one that you potentially already own. So let's say you're a real estate expert and you own a property, and maybe you qualified for the mortgage and you own it. Maybe you did a, a burr, or you did a flip to yourself, and I know that's a popular thing out in the Keyspire world, it's called flip to yourself. Interesting to note, I think I taught that strategy probably about 15 years ago, and I guess I should have put a little TM behind it or a strategy behind it, and I, it's funny, I was at a Keyspire event and they called it about flip to yourself, and I go, geez, I taught that about 15 years ago. Interesting. Um, very good strategy. Very good strategy with that. So here's typically one of the things you do is maybe you go out, you buy a property, you put the renovation time into it, and you put a secondary suite into the property. Then you've actually got the property, you get it revalued. And then what you do is you take that property and once you get it revalued, then you bring a money partner in. So you've already owned it and you bring another money partner in. Okay, so here's one of the ways you can potentially split that out is the money partner, what they do is they just bring the money. If there's a mortgage on the property, right, that's already in place. The mortgage is worth 20%, the management's worth 20%, and the mastery's worth 20%, and the money is only worth 40. So that would be a 60-40 split. You see how you can slice and dice and change this, and you're just, essentially what you're doing is you're just justifying the numbers, and you're just making a case for how the splits will come out. This fourth one is one that if you guys are a full-time real estate investor, that's what this fourth um, case study is. Let's say you're now gone full-time into the business of real estate investing. Typically, one of the things you're going to need if you're full-time in the business is you're going to need to get an income source from this. You're maybe going to need to charge fees, disposition fees, administration fees, management fees. You're going to have to get something out of it. So now you're a full-time investor. This is also typically what you will find more prevalent in the multifamily world. When you start talking about apartment buildings, these are the typical type of splits you'll find in apartment building. So here's what you do as investors. So an investor will sit there, they'll bring the money and they'll qualify for the mortgage. And you as the real estate expert, you're going to bring the management and the mastery. But one of the things you're going to charge to the deal is you're going to charge some fees. You're going to charge an acquisition fee. You're going to charge maybe a disposition fee, and you're going to charge maybe an administration fee. Now, those numbers range anywhere from some people I, I know charge like 1%, some charge 3%, some charge 4% of the management and the acquisition fees, but that's for you to negotiate on there. So what you're doing as the real estate expert is you're willing to, to forego a little bit of an ownership position to take some monthly fees to help cover the costs of you uh, um, as a full-time investor, because you need to make money as from your real estate operations in order to keep moving forward. You need to feed the family, okay? So you start charging fees. Now, that's a more prevalent role when it comes down to a lot of the time when it comes into multifamily, and it's a little bit more of an advance. And you as the real estate expert, 
Remember, you're in it full time and you're charging fees, but you better be more of an expert when it comes to it. You better have a few years under your belt. You better have a multiple transactions. You, be, you are now becoming an expert in the transaction. That's how that typically splits out. 50% is the money, 15% is the mortgage qualification that goes to the investment partner, 20% and 15% go to you as the real estate expert, but you're also charging a, an acquisition fee, a disposition fee, and an administration fee on a monthly basis. My main intention, and I wanted to keep it under an hour, is I want to, wanted to you was to just give you the framework. And here's the conversation I have all the time when I have consultations with people. Here's the conversation they say is, well, how do I structure this deal? Okay, well, let's just break it down. Who's bringing the money? Who's qualifying for the debt? Who's the day-to-day -day operator? Who's the, and who's the expert, right? Those are the four variables. And then what I would just sit there and I would ask the question is, um, how much is each of these worth? In some case, cases, um, maybe the mastery and the management, let's say you're taking on a big giant development project, the mastery and the management are huge components of the pie, right? Then you, whoever's doing that work needs to, to get more. If you're just getting a, a house on the MLS, right? And you don't have to take a lot of time and effort onto the, onto the manage, onto the um, finding of it and the team, okay? So then what you want to do is maybe that's worth less. It's a little bit of an ebb and flow of that, but really what I wanted to do is just take something that completely has no framework. I want to put a frame around it, and now you, what you can do is you can give some consideration to each one of those four variables, and those four variables all need to add up to who's bringing what, and they all need to add up to 100%. I have two free gifts that I want to offer to you guys if you're interested in, in these gifts. Um, number one is... We did a webinar where we walked through a $725,000 vendor takeback on how do you use vendor takebacks to, to get the capital to close on a deal. Wonderful case study on how to find the property, how to build a relationship, how to educate the seller, and then how to execute on it. So I'm going to offer that to each and every one of you. The second one is last week, I gave you guys an option to download a script to help qualify your investors. And it comes also with another training video. Um, I'm going to make that offer as well. Okay, with all that being said, hope you guys have yourself a wonderful day. This is Wednesday, and I'm going to sign off the way I usually always sign off is, ladies and gentlemen, in every interaction you ever have with another person, make sure that that person leaves feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Okay, bye for now, everybody. Hey, 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 sure hope you enjoyed this latest installment, segment five of the five-part masterclass of helping you build out your freedom plan using real estate. Okay, guys, so um, as mentioned, there are more episodes upcoming, but before we dive into uh, what those episodes are, what I just wanted to share with you, if you found that you got a lot of value from this five-part series, and even just the podcast in general... Um, from the, both the interviews plus also the in-depth learning and tutorials. If you found you've got lots of value, just in, even of the last five episodes of more than five hours of content and free training, just to put that in perspective, that's probably less than one-tenth of one percent of the content and materials available 
to you. If you'd like to take a deeper dive, I would highly encourage you to check out where you are listening to this podcast. There probably will be a link in there for information about the Raising Capital Academy. Um, would highly encourage you to check out, click on that link, find out what it's all about. Like I mentioned, if you found you, you got lots of value in these five-part episodes, it truly is just uh, the tip of the iceberg. Within the Raising Capital Academy, there's an entire community of action takers, people that buy properties, people that move forward, people that build a portfolio of, of real estate. There's standing on the shoulders of giants interviews. I've got more than 30 of those in there, and I commit to doing one a month. There are implementation webinars for better part of two years each and every month. I went uh, live and put did an in-depth training material in for each of the Raising Capital Academy members. There's more than 12 modules of in-depth tutorials and training videos and audios and PowerPoint presentations and documents and contracts and legal agreements and five lawyers that contributed. Oh, and I'm getting tired just talking about all this. Suffice it to say, it is probably one of the deepest, most comprehensive programs that I know of that will tackle one of the biggest obstacles you will face in real estate and where, and that's where to get the capital. But more importantly than that, a lot of people, you know, ask the question is, Russ, is this just a joint venture program? It's, it's more than that. So if you think about on the one uh, episode I shared with you about what are the five things that will stop you, you know, team, time, education, attitude, and money. That is the framework that I built the entire Raising Capital Academy out. There are strategies in there for time, for productivity, there's education, there's um, all the information you need to build a portfolio, there's mindset training, there's experts in there, the standing on the shoulders of giants, and then also we tackle the money conversation in depth, giving you all the tools and resources you need in order to build a portfolio, a property. I highly encourage you to check that out, so wherever you're listening to this, there will be a link available. Okay, guys, we're just getting warmed up. More episodes of the podcast are upcoming. If you're interested in how to buy uh, apartment buildings, if you're interested in building a very large portfolio, so a couple more interviews are upcoming. Okay, guys, so I sure hope you enjoyed the series. We're just getting revved up. We're just getting warmed up. This was just released in early 2021, and we are just going to crush this year. Can't wait to be on your team as we continue to move forward. And guys, remember, always, 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 in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.